podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Celebrating in the streets in Lubbock. Wow. Because Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome on, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast powered by Guns Up Nation. You are on once again with your boy, I'll be sure. And uh, Thanksgiving is over. Thanksgiving is done. We are done with it. And because and with that, Texas Tech played a football game. They went out into Waco, played the Baylor Bears during Thanksgiving weekend. And I'm here to recap that game, as is Jeremy Gillen. What's up, Jeremy? Guess what, everybody? They said it could not happen, but Texas Tech is bowl eligible. <laughs> that's that's the takeaway from this weekend, huh? <laughs> <laughs> We're having a good time out there. There's nothing to lose, baby. Uh, going out and having a good time playing football. And uh, you know what? We have one more game on the schedule, TBD, in this upcoming week. So don't be too upset, Red Raider fa- or Red Ranger fans. Um, <laughs> get, get excited about the postseason. Fox Sports messes up. A graphic a week, <laughs> a graphic a week, a consistently at least one graphic a week. There was there was one earlier this season where um, it was Rock Chalk Wildcat. They had a Kansas State. They were talking about Kansas State football and their graphic had Rock Chalk on it. K-State fans were all types of upset. So I feel like every school has their right to be upset with Fox Sports at least once. We're usually on ESPN, so we don't get to see the sickness that is Fox Sports. But this week we saw it. Where it said Wreckham Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you do with that? I don't, I don't know. Hey, you know, their baseball broadcast got mixed up with their college football broadcast. They're like, ah, we don't know. They're all in Texas. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's watching this game anyways. Put what yeah. you want. They did put us on the same time as Michigan, Ohio State, which sucked. <laughs> I really wanted to watch the game. But, of course, you got to watch Butt Bowl. Butt Bowl gotta was watch more the exciting. Home team. Hey, oh. Butt Bowl was much more exciting. All right. That was a More fun, storied rivalry in college football. It's true. It's, it's, it is the most. It was deadlocked, 39-39-1. and one. This was the tiebreaker. Unfortunately, it did not go the Red Raiders' way as Texas Tech did lose 27-24. But I got to say, Jeremy, I Tech played pretty well. Tech played. I, I said in the preview pod that I, th- I had Baylor I legitimately winning by two touchdowns. I thought they were a much better team. But Tech went out there, shot ourselves in the foot many times, and yet still was a Jonathan Garibay field goal away from going to overtime and potentially winning this game. Uh, what do you think about that? How the team played? Yeah, let's just get this out here in the open now. Uh, Gary Bay missing his first field goal of the season uh, here at the here at the end of the season uh, is not is not problematic. You know, Gary Bay was a, asked a, a fifty three yarder, mind you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's, yeah. yeah. This is still a guy who, who breaks an NCAA record for game winning field goal distance. Uh, he's still a tremendous athlete, best kicker in the nation in our minds, and should be in the minds of many, uh, except for apparently committee. Committee selectors for Groza Awards, but nobody cares about that anymore. Um, this game just had something I've noticed about the end of the season here, and I think you tweeted it out well, is that you know there's nobody who has this level of energy that Sonny Cumbie brings to Texas Tech football. Um, every time you see him on the sidelines, he is he is like energetic. He's with his players. He's very much a player's coach. Um, and just to update everybody that, you know, if you've been living under a rock for the past weeks, um, Joey McGuire did announce that Cumbie is moving uh, officially into the 2022 season as the offensive coordinator for Texas Tech. So a good, you know, a good stance there for Cumbie. But a good illustration is that he's just such a people's player. And he's so in tune with like 
player development during a game. He's very intimate with his players. He's very intimate with the game. Um, that's fantastic. Here's the thing, though. The energy changed when we fired Matt Wells and Cumby moved up to interim. But I say that uh, because we played the hardest teams we've had to play all year after we fired Wells and put Cumby at the interim. And so while the energy and the excitement was uh, unmatched, like the rest, un, you know, different to the rest of the season, uh, the competition got incredibly harder. You know, we squirked one out against Iowa State, who actually has struggled since uh, we beat them. Oh, they played comp- Iowa State beat the crap out of TCUs. I won't say they struggled too much. They, they beat them like they stole something. Brees Hall had a game of his life. Iowa State's back, I think, at this point. But they didn't Iowa State's the back. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, then they had. Well, it was the week after where they played. Uh, Who they play? Uh, OU, where they lost twenty eight twenty one. But it felt like they were never really in that game. But yeah, they come around. They smack TCU. But hey, TCU's not bowl eligible, so who cares? Um, <laughs> who Losers. Cares? These are loser teams. You don't talk about those games. Um, that there was kind of like uh, the point I'm trying to make is that there's kind of this duality of you know these this Texas Tech team defensively especially on one hand and I'll get to the asterisk on that in in a bit when we talk about them um, is playing lights out is playing better defense than they played uh, you know they're getting big stops they're making big plays to give our offense the opportunity to go and win games uh, but on the other hand we're not capitalizing we're not like. We're not playing to the ability that we can play. And yeah, you can blame that. Okay, we got our third stringer in there. Nobody forget that Donovan Smith is the third string behind Columbia and then Shuck. Um, that seems to be like the Texas Tech thing, though, so it doesn't really matter. Like, there's just so many different narratives to this game that while it was an exciting game, it also should be a disappointing game, right? Because Baylor has a good defense, but they're not unbeatable. And I think we put up a lot of yards, but just failed to capitalize on really good field positioning that our defense gave us. And so there's just still some gaps as we get here to the postseason that I think Texas Tech needs to address. And we'll have time to prepare for a bowl game. And we saw what happens when Donovan Smith has more than one week to prepare for an opponent. Like there's an opportunity there for his ceiling to be, to get to the ceiling that we've seen him, you know, place before himself. But, you know, it's just, it's disappointing because you feel like you could have snuck out um, maybe not Oklahoma State, but like you could have snuck one out here because we were right there in the end of it. And it took us a while to get there, but we were right there. Like the momentum was definitely more in Tech's favor at the very end. And, you know, just what, five feet wide of the goalpost, it was the difference maker. Yeah, I, I, I think considering the Tech shot, our, we shot ourselves in the foot a lot. Like the, the Red Raiders first shot. First play of the game, right? First, very Sorry, first play of the game, Bumbles. fumble, right? Like there's, not to mention the, the penalty from TJ Store. T, let me, oh my God, TJ Store, man has been a problem all year and not in a good way. <laughs> He's been a problem. Uh, that that unsportsmanlike penalty came at, at the absolute worst time it could possibly come right out of the gate of the halftime. We were, you know, I was joking because we we fell into an early hole in the first half down two touchdowns. You know, I kind of made a joke tweet that if we score a touchdown before half, we can, you know, and then score right out of the gate. We're right in this. I was joking at the time, but that's what ended up happening. We scored right before half. We get the first drive. Where we seem like we're kind of on on our on some pace, and then before you know it, w- completely wiping out a great play is TJ Stormat, right? That penalty right there, um, you know, just uh, the not being able to capitalize on interceptions. I mean, Blake Shapen was giving it to the te- to, to the team, and Shapen played a really good game in this one, but he was giving it, and once again. We just did not, we were not able to capitalize on these opportunities. We shot ourselves in the foot. I mean, this was a game that Baylor played very well, but this was a game that was absolutely for the taking for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And I think that is one, that's really, to me, the next step that Joey McGuire has to make 
going forward. We saw in 2019 was a season where we had, I think it was four games. We was in our grasp. We were the unluckiest team in college football by uh, 538 metrics. The unluckiest team in college football. And we had like four or five games that were in our grasp that we lost. Um, 2020, we, we were able to convert some of those close win games to wins, but it still, still wasn't there. And then we see here, we didn't capitalize last week. And, and last week, we were going up against the, one of the toughest defenses in the entire country. So there's that. But this was a game that was in our grasp. Even though we were playing a better team, don't get me wrong, Baylor is a better team than Texas Tech. The game was still right there for Tech to, Tech's taking, despite putting ourselves two touchdowns behind early, despite fumbling from the very beginning, despite shooting ourselves in the foot with dumb penalties, despite not getting interceptions that had, despite referees, every 50-50 call did not go our way. Despite all of that, we're still a field goal away, and we just got to clean some of the, a lot of that stuff up. Unfortunately, we've been saying that for years. We said that during the Kingsbury days. We said that during the Wells days. That's we needed. Where I'm praying that McGuire's that guy to take some of those these close games and really teach the team how to win. He did it at Cedar Hill. He did it at Baylor. This team needs to learn how to win, learn how to do the things that are necessary to win the football game, and uh, that's I think the next step for the Texas Tech Raiders. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think that there's two. So as I'm like, as I looked over this game and just kind of meditated on it for a bit, I think there's really off. And we can talk about the offense first. But like, there's two big, there's two big red marks for me offensively in this game that you're not giving yourself a good opportunity to win. Uh, one does come with Donovan Smith. So the fact that you know Blake Shapin uh, out of Shreveport, Louisiana, was like his first game. Right, everybody's thinking, okay, Jerry Bohannon's out, so Blake Shape is going to have to play. But this this Texas Tech defense is going to be able to, you know, cause some whatever, and we'll get to that here in a second. But you know, Shaping plays so well that Donovan Smith, in his third career start, he passes for so he passes for what 262 yards, got two touchdowns. Um, but I mean, we 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 can't forget that uh, Smith doesn't get much money running in this game. Actually, it's no running in this game when it comes down to it ending with like negative four yards rushing. Um, and if we take out the, that massive 75 yard screen pass for Koontz, which was incredible, uh, really unique. It was <laughs> yeah. good. That was, that was a good a draw. Great play call. That was, that was such a, a good play call there. Play call. Now I'll say that as the play call was, nobody thought it was going to go 75 yards to the house. Like Cumbie, <laughs> Cumbie was I don't like, think look, Koontz knew that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Kuzi did not. gassed at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Great outside of that, but great play call. Outside of that, great play call. Outside of the 75 yard one, and then outside of the uh, 38, 40 yards to McLean Mannix, one where he's wide open. I mean, Smith ends you know 13 to 21 for 151 yards. So that's and a lot of that comes feels like it really comes at the end of the game. And if you're trying to knock off a top 10 opponent, which I know that we can kind of look at Baylor. And just think, okay, it's Baylor. Um, it just the, the like the history of that, like okay, they're not really that good. This is a top ten Baylor team, and they've yeah, earned no, that top is, ten. No, this is see that's that's the, our age is showing because like in our day, <laughs> like it, it's hard for me still after a decade of them being pretty good to still think of Baylor as a top tier program. But they are they for the past decade they have been. It's just you know when we were growing up, Baylor sucked. And Baylor has sucked for everybody over the age of 25, right? Like that they, is. They, yeah. <laughs> the eight feels fake. And so I was like, ah, no way. But they're a top 10 team. So if you're going, if you're going to beat a top 10 team, you have to be steady and productive throughout the whole game. And just Donovan Smith was not that. Now, the second thing for me is the run game. Now we, we, we rush for, I mean, in total 125, 124 yards, 28 attempts. So that's four, four, whatever average per run. However, 
noticing uh, that's 54 yards come from Jet Sweep, like Mannix, Azukama, Geiger. Um, that kind of leaves our backs with a very forgettable afternoon you know thompson between thompson brooks and white we get pretty much 74 yards on 19 rushes that's 3.8 yards that is not what this offense needs whenever donovan smith is not having his game like we have to be able to establish a good and solid run game and if we can't get thompson brooks or white uh stepping up thompson had that fumble and it was almost like it was virtually benched for the rest of the game we did not see sarado thompson really out there after that fumble early on um yeah and in or I, I don't I haven't heard that he's hurt or anything like that. It seemed as if like that was Cumbie was it. He was like I'm fed up. <laughs> he was like fed no. up. First play of the game, you fu- you're out. You're out of you're here, out buddy. Of there. Um, but the point is like the that our run game that we have been trying to become more balanced with and it's like proficient with, and some of this is on the line, and a lot of this is on Baylor's defensive line being so incredibly powerful. Um. This is a second straight game where our ground game has just failed us. You know, last week we only had like 25 yards against Oklahoma State. It's asinine. Even though they're a story, they're a story. You can at least get, you got to get more than that, right? If you're going to have a chance against top 10 teams. And so, Donovan, we had the two things that we needed to go. One of two things we needed to go for us, and neither really stepped up to it. And Donovan Smith towards the end, but there was more like big play, uh, big play success there at the end. This game just for me never felt within reach. Even though we were in it at the very end, it felt like we, you know, we kind of didn't deserve to be. Um, it's just a, it's a whack game, man. And I, I'm looking forward to this bowl game scenario of. I hope we get. I hope we get a quality opponent, but I hope that we can show we get that one final game of the year, right? That we Texas Tech can be Texas like the Texas Tech we wanted them to be this year. You know, the Texas Tech that played Iowa State, the Texas Tech that played uh, Houston. You know that like the moment like the momentum swinging texas tech offense and defense uh that we just missed out on this year and i think that you know these past couple of games albeit very difficult teams uh there's just echoes of those gaps that we really needed to fill going into the bowl game and then especially going into the joey mcguire era that you kind of mentioned absolutely absolutely so let's let's get into the game that's at hand let's talk about the quarterbacks a little bit uh donovan smith and blake shapen now both of these guys are backups, and I, and I failed to mention on the preview pod because I didn't, I didn't think Shapin would play. I thought Bohannon would play. Um, that Bohannon did get hurt last game, um, and it was, he was questionable. He was out there warming up, and they decided to go with Blake Shapin. I, I don't know if maybe Bohannon didn't look like himself in, in warmups. Maybe they thought, eh, it's Texas Tech. Let's save, him for, let's save him for the Big 12 championship game. Let's get Blake Shapin out there. Either way, Shapin starts the game out with an a absolute dime to Tristan Ebner to start the game. And as great as that pass was, the biggest problem here was that Ebner motioned out to the outside and there was no change from the defense as we had our guy, we had Colin Schooler, who is our best defensive player, but he's not our best defensive coverage player. <laughs> was out one-on-one against Tristan Ebner. Uh, call an ambulance. <laughs> call an ambulance. The second it happened, Tech should have called a timeout. I don't care if you had to burn one early. That is an automatic touchdown from the very beginning. Unfortunately, it was an automatic touchdown from the very beginning because Ebner just dusted Schooler. Schooler fell trying to yeah, – he tried to do a defensive pass interference or something to stop the inevitable, but uh, he was out there on an island, unfortunately. Uh, what do you think about – I mean, Shapin versus Smith, what do you think? I mean, I, I think Smith wasn't as bad as last week, but still was not impressive. Yeah, uh, I mean, Shapin coming into his first, I, I'm tempted to compare both of them on their first games. Um, 
because I feel like, I don't know, man. It's unfortunate that, you know, this was my excited. This was the exciting storyline for me. Let me put it that way. Jerry Bohannon not starting. I felt like we had a really good opportunity defensively to cause some chaos and to get ahead of this Baylor team because I knew that they had a good defense. That if we could kind of like tilt anything in our favor, it was going to be this quarterback replacement. But Shapin comes in and he's up to the task, like steady and consistent all afternoon. Outside of the the, the interception controversy with Rashad Williams and the, the interception opportunity from, I think it was Darkus Fields. Like that, I mean, he was just so much better all around. Like he was steady and, you know, playing at home, playing with a really good offensive line. Like he felt like, you know, he felt comfortable the whole time. 254 yards through the air. None of them necessarily um, ridiculous plays. Uh, well, outside of a couple, but like, you know, two touchdowns, just did what he was serviceable. He was more than serviceable for Baylor. And that's how, uh, I wouldn't say Shapin's going to be coming after Bohannon's spot, like if that was the case, but you know, he yeah, comes don't, in. Don't and tell pl- that to the Fox announcers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, they, they compared like Shapin, who did they, oh, to, um, uh, what's his name? Quarterback from BYU. Uh, Wilson. Oh, Zach yeah. Wilson. Yeah. Zach Wilson. Yeah. They, they were like, Hey, you're my first. They said Corey Brewer, and I was like, okay, well, that's you're not really a compliment. And then they were like, but yeah, also yeah. Zach Wilson. I'm like, well, those are two completely hold on, hold different on. sides. Yeah. <laughs> you just you just showed your you guys showed your football knowledge right there. You've yeah. set up a giant range. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go that far. I think that you know, in the same way that Donovan Smith had such a you know shock factor to game film and everything when he stepped in against Iowa State, I don't think this team was necessarily. I'm not going to say all in on shaping, but like it's really hard to kind of narrate this, to be honest. He played a lot well. He played, he was serviceable, played super well when he needed to. He, he could run, which I think is what he got really important yards with his feet, which I think ended up making a difference in a couple of drives. And it's just kind of a pain in the ass, if being honest, um, to see a quarterback again, another big 12 quarterback using their legs against our defense. Um, yeah, it's just a bad narrative for Texas Tech all around. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think I do think Chapin made a couple good throws. He didn't, though. It seemed like at times he wanted to give, turn the ball over. Tech wasn't able to capitalize on it, and so because of that, I mean, you know, you end the game decently. I think a lot of fans uh, were very fans were really up and down on Donovan Smith. Uh, Donovan Smith had a, a few good passes in this game. Uh, at times, still left some things to be desired. Had a much better second half than first half. First, first half kind of some of the stuff from the Oklahoma State game seemed to carry over. Um, I think where things started, and sometimes you just need to see things go your way, was that big play to Kalen Geiger in the, at the end of the first half. I think that was kind of what got Smith going a little bit. He saw that was his first sign of success, and he was able to do more things that was a little bit more successful. Uh, like that wide open throw to McLean Mannix. First of yeah. all, Baylor, how how y'all should be ashamed. How dare you? <laughs> y'all should be ashamed. Let McLean Mannix and, tra- and Travis Coots. Y'all should be ashamed. The Travis Coots one was so much worse, man. You got that big guy running 70 yards. Come on. Coots is over here like, I'm not supposed to be doing this. <laughs> T- tackle me. Somebody tackle me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like somebody tackle me somebody else can score this touchdown please he almost lateraled it back so somebody else could, could just turns around and hands it he's like yeah, all right he's go. Like, please somebody else take this ball for me <laughs> this is this is far we don't even do this in practice <laughs> uh but no but man, big boy coon's got it going so uh good for him well you kind of touched on the running game uh the running game was 
absent. Uh, Todd Brooks had one nice play. Look, actually, no, they took away his 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 big touchdown play, which is probably the best play of the game for him. Uh, uh, but really, the running game was was virtually absent. The, our best running play was that sweep by Ezukanma, um, and then also there was another sweep to Geiger. Those were our two best running plays all game. Um, Cumbie likes those plays. He did those plays a lot at TCU as well with with Jalen Rager and and, and and players like that. But it's our running game has got to get going. I, I said that in the preview pod. I still believe that. I still believe Brooks, Thompson, White, they're going to have to get going a little bit more going forward next next year and especially in the bowl game. Um, and then when it comes to receivers, Ezukama had a nice catch early in, the, early in the game. We did not hear from him for the rest of the game. Uh, Geiger had that big play uh, that I just mentioned. We did not hear from him outside of that. I mean, the offense, outside of those two really huge plays to Mannix and Koontz, was, Baylor did a really good job of stagnating the offense. Um, and uh, that's something that, I'm, you know, we're going to see a lot. Like you said, we're going to have basically a month to prepare for our bowl game, whatever bowl game that is. Uh, but uh, it's going to be interesting. So, Jeremy, with all this being said, who is your Texas Tech offensive player of the game? Travis Koontz, man. How could it not be? That guy going above and beyond, pushing through the pain, I'm sure. Um, it's hard. It's honestly hard for me to pick a player of the game um, because the I don't feel like everybody was con- I don't feel like anybody was consistent. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't like a oh we can rely on this person the whole game through. Um, so that's why I just want to fall back and just say that you know Travis Koontz, the 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 the, the, the plot the oh my gosh English the play was drawn up so well. Koontz uh, had good vision. Got to the sideline and just to the house, seventy something yards. I mean, for me, good job, big man. I'm a big tight end fan, so uh, that's my player. You know, I'm gonna go for uh, offensive player of the game. I'm gonna pull. A, I'm gonna pull a Dylan. <laughs> Sonny Cumbie. Sonny Cumbie. Sonny Cumbie. Uh, Explain look, yourself. This Baylor. Baylor did a really great job of bottling up the Texas Tech offense. We really didn't have much going for us, and the reason why we were even close in this game was because there were certain plays that were called. Like the Ezra Jeff sweep, like the tight end screen, like that that play that got Maddox open, like all of these plays that were called at the right time from Sonny Cumbie. He talk about a guy like first of all, McGuire. This is now when you promote <laughs> Sonny Cumbie to be your OC, right? Not after a shutout. Right? <laughs> Give him some time. Let him have a good game first. I thought he had, I thought he had a great game as an offensive coordinator. I really did. Um, there was some shortcomings from the players at times throughout this game, and we kind of already touched on it. The run game wasn't able to get going. The O-line was just as bad as they've been all really all season. Uh, Donovan Smith struggled. And we talked about all that. But Sonny Cumbie still put right plays at the right time to get us in position, especially in the second half, um, to really get us right there. I mean, even that last drive, I, another bad mistake was Donovan Smith. I, you know, that, that well, a bad play, I guess, would be that quarterback draw and Donovan Smith not being able to really take it. But even with that, we said, okay, screw it. Forget that. Let's get Let's get the ball down. And and call some plays that actually get us in the field goal range. We were right there, and we got a chance of going to overtime with it. And once again, overtime, hell, who the hell knows what goes on, what's going to happen, right? We have the chance to knock off the number eight team in the in, in the country. And I know there was enough Red Raider fans. I was really curious about this, is that if we would have won, we would have rushed Baylor's field. And I know there was enough Tech fans at, in Waco at McLean Stadium that I do think it would have happened. It would have yeah. been great. It would have been Woo! great. Yo, uh, rushing Baylor's field? Oh, that would have been fantastic. Um, <laughs> so who is your defensive player of the game? Um, 
that is do you want to talk about the defense a little bit? Let's talk about the defense a little bit. Good job. Actually, I, talk, I, we have not, we did not talk about the defense enough. Let's talk about um, it. So, so I mentioned it earlier. I want to bring it up. So I mentioned it earlier. There was kind of a couple of big asterisks that I think defensively we've been playing a lot better down the stretch here and uh, reducing the just that very common like ah, typical tech, you know. Uh, that we've been playing a lot better defense and people have been noticing, right? People like commentators have been saying like, oh, how Texas Tech is locking down in certain things. Um, I, I will say it has been two games since Tech has forced a turnover. And that is not how you upset, you know, top 10 teams. If you're not going to play sound offense while you're playing sound defense, you got to create turnovers. Um, and we, it's been two games since we have a turnover. And that's really kind of what this defense has been built on is that we were supposed to be built on taking the ball away any way we can um so we finish the regular season i think we have 12 on the season and that's like on the bottom quarter of college football now but if you take i mean you remember we had four against houston so the the thing here is that this defense is not able to generate or capitalize i should say because we've seen a number of like dropped interceptions or a number of just like defensive backs with hands on ball hands on the ball that have not turned into bigger plays. I mean, we were playing Oklahoma State, and I think that was, you know, Dadrian Taylor-Dimerson had a dropped interception that might have been a pick six. That would have been massive in that game. But it didn't, you know, it didn't come to it didn't come to fruition. And then this game against Baylor, you know, both Demarcus Fields and Rashad Williams having an opportunity to kind of change the course of the game, which might have changed. I mean, I think the Rashad Williams one was, you know, when it was overturned, like that ended up being a touchdown that probably would have, that might have been the difference maker, right? But this Red Raider defense has been good enough to win each of these, like, and I'm, I'm going to want to pick on Oklahoma State and Baylor here for having really good defenses that our defense has semi-matched the level of, like, efficiency that they've had that we can be in the game. Now, Oklahoma State, we couldn't score points for beans, but we had, like, our defense, like, kept Oklahoma State to 23 points or whatever. Like, that is a really good for a Texas Tech defense and an Oklahoma State defense offense that can play really well when it needs to and so i don't want to take away like how well our defense has been playing but i do want to highlight that there have been opportunities for something we've tried to build our identity on there's that whole like what are we branding ourselves as and we've just not capitalized on it at the end of the year here and so while we play a good defensive game against baylor you know we only allowed them uh, 10 points in the first and the fourth, you know, get that one touchdown. That third, we you, you blanked them in the third. That's a really big win for this Texas Tech defense. But there's opportunities left on the board. You know, there's a lot of opportunities that it could have been game-changing, right? And if you want to win these games, like we were talking about, Joe McGuire's got to show these teams how to win, how to want to win games here at the when it matters the most, those are the plays that you got to cap. Like, those are the plays that got to fall your way. You know, you can't rely on the 50-50 thing. You got to make it indisputable. Don't drop the interception, you know, that kind of stuff. That this defense is like, we're oh, we're right there, man. We're starting to play really efficient defense. Let's do something to push that over the edge and make this a lethal Texas Tech team. Yeah. Now, on one hand, I would say with the defense, like the run defense, is that on one hand, Abram Smith had 117 yards. On the other hand, he had 30 carries, right? And this yeah. Tech's run defense has been pretty good this year, besides mm-hmm. two games, right? And those two games have skewed <laughs> besides everything. one monster. <laughs> yeah, like like Texas, the Texas game and the TCU game have skewed everything for the Texas Tech defense. And so you uh, say, well, the run defense has been pretty good. And, and people are like, nah, I don't believe you. Because <laughs> I watched the Texas game, watched the TCU game, they're not good. But they have been. They've been pretty good in this game. Abram Smith played a, an okay game. Like, he, he wasn't 
anything to, to, to beat your, your head at. He had a couple big runs. Um, but I think Tech defense, especially in the second half, did a decent job of bottling him up. Um, the pass defense, I think, was at times was rough. Abner, I mean, I, we talked about the 61-yard catch from Ebner. That, he wasn't done after that. Right, and the pass defense has been something that has has we've been we're the worst pass defense in the, in the conference. Now, mind you, I'm saying we're the worst pass defense in the conference, not the worst secondary in the conference, because the difference between this team and some of the other bad pass defenses that I think we've seen is that usually when Tech has a bad pass defense is because the secondary has been awful. This time, I think has much more to do with that you you, you have 30 seconds to throw if you're the opposing quarterback. And, and I am sick and tired of announcers saying that, oh, man, Baylor's O-line has been great. Oklahoma State's O-line has been great. Oklahoma's yeah. O-line has been great. Iowa State's O-line has been great. No, we only rushed three people. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We're challenging them. We drop eight. We drop eight. And we continue to do it here against Baylor. And what's even more frustrating is we drop eight on third down. So I've seen in this game it happen a lot where we rushed five in the first down, four in the second down. And then we drop eight on third. Dude, we got to third down by rushing people. Why are we dropping eight on third? It makes no sense. But that's what was happening. Uh, Baylor was doing a good job of converting on third downs. And, uh, you know, and because of that, Shapin was able to make some passes. And and that being said, I mean, we still only held Shapin to 254 yards of passing. Right? Like, that alone is still a – I would say that's a win for the pass defense. I I think guys on – on in secondary played well. Eric Monroe played well in secondary, even though he did get, get he got cooked. Man, that boy got cooked for that, that, that touchdown pass. But he had a good game. Eric Monroe, I think, had one of his better games in this. I think Reggie Pearson also got cooked a couple times. These are two guys that are really good safety, sometimes struggling coverage. But they both of them had, I thought, a pretty good game. Colin Schooler was Colin Schooler, um, including, shout out to Colin Schooler for that huge bat down on fourth down. Shout out to Rico Jeffers for a massive hit right at the at the first down line on third down. Um, you know, it's just though these guys are, are seniors. They're about to play their their final game here in about a month in the bowl game. Thank God they're gonna thank God a guy like Rico Jeffers is gonna be able to play in a bowl game, right? Uh I, I believe he was here at to, on in 2017. I believe he was here, but he did not play in the game. But like, thank God he's able to just play in a bowl game. Um and and we'll get that opportunity, but um, hell, thank God for Colin School is gonna be able to play in a bowl game. I you know I I gotta look back to see when last time Arizona was in one when he was there, but can't imagine it's been that long for him either. So um, but uh, you know, great great games by all all around for the defense. Uh, like I said, some some lapses here or there. I think the team will get better. The defense will get better. We'll get a new defensive coordinator. If it's the guy who I'm thinking of, hell, it could be anybody else. I'm positive. If they want to do three down linemen, they're going to blitz. Uh, one of the we've, we've, we've talked about Tony, the defense coordinator at Louisiana right now. Uh, his, he, if you like some of the stuff that Baylor's defense was doing, the Tony's mentor is the current defense coordinator at Baylor. Um, our defense would look a lot similar to Baylor's. And if you notice, Baylor, they brought the house quite a bit of times, right? And so um, uh, if Tony is the guy, like it's been rumored, then we're going to see a very similar defense to Baylor. And I couldn't be happier. Baylor's defense looks good. Iowa State's defense looks good. They're virtually in the same mold. They are what I thought Texas Tech's defense was going to look like with Keith Patterson. I was wrong on that aspect. That does not – this defense looks nothing like Iowa State and Baylor's. Um, but there's, there's still – I think to me the talent is there. 
The level is there. And we've seen in the last few games that this team is as talented as we said that they were at the beginning of the season. It's just getting them coached correctly. And the energy that Sonny Cumbie has brought these last four games show, shows that these te- these guys are having a little bit more passion, a little bit more emotion, and they're showing that talent is finally shining through. And it's one of those things where now I feel like if we were to play TC or Texas now, yeah. as opposed to when we played them, it might be a completely uh-huh. different game. 100%. Like, we may be sitting at uh, eight and, you know, eight and four. We may, it's just hard to say. And that's what I was saying earlier on is that Cummy's brought a level of energy to this team and they've just played so much harder in a lot of different ways and just kept that throughout the whole game that you just wonder, right? I mean, we go back to the whole, everybody's given tech grief because we fired Matt Wells, but this is like night and day from the first half of the season to this half of the season. But, you know, outside of the West Virginia game, like this team is just completely different and built built to win. It's just, you know, because we got that pump jack short. mentality, baby. We got the pump jack. There we, we got that pump jack. Best mentality. thing he ever did. Best thing yeah. he ever did for his so, resume. So who is your defensive player of the game before we get out of here? It, it's Colin Schooler for me. I think Colin Schooler just has earned it so many times throughout this season and his ability to play at multiple levels of the field outside, you know, the one deep pass. But you know, there's certain things you just can't ask people to do. Um but man, Colin Schooler has done incredible things on this on this defensive squad where it comes from the mid-level pass breakups, you know, quarterback rushing the quarterback, plugging holes against the run game. I mean, he's done it all. He's done it all and more for Texas Tech. There's a reason uh, we got really excited when he was coming over from Arizona. Like this guy is just built for the next level. And we've really enjoyed having him on our defensive squad. And so for me, it's it's no it's no brain for me the way that he played in this game. Um uh, it, it's Colin Schooler. If Eric Monroe didn't get cooked for that touchdown, I was going to give him my first the of the year fence player of the game for him. Um, but, yeah, you know, I'm not going to get cute with this. Colin Schooler played a fantastic game. Um, some of the guys on defense have better stats than he did, but he was, once again, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. And it's so tough to not pick him every single week as a defensive player of the game. So, well, congratulations to Baylor. They beat us. And with Oklahoma State winning Bedlam, Baylor goes to the Big 12 championship game. But, dude, Bedlam was a hell of a game. That was a great, great game. Um, shout out to Oklahoma State sending the Sooners packing. I, I really hope both Texas and Oklahoma go to the SEC next year. Because if so, this is like the greatest last season of the Big I like, Remember when AM left and how great that was? Like for Texas, like send their butts home to the SEC. Like this has been a great, like send your Sooners, Longhorns, let's send your butt up out of here. Uh, to the SEC. So I really hope they are not in the conference next year. We can move on with our lives. We can go and have the new Big 12. I'm, I'm happy. Cincinnati has a really good shot of being in the college football playoff this year, right? We're already claiming them as Big 12 participants. So if Cincinnati mm-hmm. and Oklahoma State get in, great. We have two Big 12 teams in the Big 12. Two Big 12 teams. <laughs> two Big 12 teams. Uh, Houston literally can beat everybody else on their schedule but Tech. So that shout out to them. Uh, <laughs> Well, it's the best win we had all season, if we're being honest. And low key, it might you might you're not wrong. Um, you know, like BYU looks good. They beat they you know they beat USC. Wow. Okay, so I all right, so I'm recording right now on Sunday. Wow, talk about sending their butts to the SEC, Lincoln Riley has accepted the job to be the new co- coach at USC. Stop. ESPN notification. Yeah, are you serious? <laughs> wow. Thank you. When is the last time? This is the first time we've had breaking news 
during the podcast <laughs> wow. and not immediately after. Yo, hey, wreck him, Lincoln Riley. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> we can be friends again. <laughs> Welcome back. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow, wow. I'm going to tweet that. Reckham Coach Riley. Wow. Always knew. He always knew he never forgot his roots. <laughs> yes. uh, he was like, hey, babe, you want to live in Norman, Oklahoma or Los Angeles? <laughs> wow. Wow. That is wild, wild news. <laughs> that is so funny. That is so funny. I love it. Good job, everybody. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, Oklahoma's a good stepping stone school. Isn't that what they tell us? <laughs> Isn't that what they tell us? That we're just a stepping stone school? Well, Oklahoma's a good stepping stone school, you know? <laughs> wow. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, well, well then. Well then, well then. Um, yeah, let's get off this pod. That That's that's pretty wild news right there. Uh, talk about sending their butts home. Lincoln Riley has accepted the job as a USC coach after losing Bedlam. <laughs> after he lost Bedlam. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Jeremy, anything else you want to say to the people? Nope. feel like we can't do any better than what just happened. So. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that's it. That's it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm low-key speechless. Uh, low-key speechless, so... Uh, for our producer extraordinaire but in the in the background editing this, Dylan Smythe. And for Jeremy Gillen, this is Albie Shore. You've been listening to the Shocked and Flabbergasted Tortillas and Takes podcast, powered by Guns of Nation. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network.